The festival. Here we go. There's really nothing quite like it. How you guys doing? When you pick the right acts to see, it's musical nirvana. So if given the power of the festival gods to have absolutely any act you desire, alive or not, playing in that perfect spot at the perfect moment, who would you choose? I think we're going to walk in and we're going to hear The Clash. Oh my, what a brilliant start. If I hear Adele one more time... Ah! But she came in the Glastonbury and I was like, oh my God, the emotion. You have to drum up some controversy. Yeah. Kendrick headlining over the Beatles. <laughs> Behold, the greatest day of our lives. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Welcome to the lineup, you beautiful spirits of Eden. Right, I'm unzipping this outfit's tent. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? I'm Sean Keevney, your host on this fantastical journey with a very real hero of music. And this is their perfect festival. They're still feeling good, nothing's kicked in, no vomit. It's like good vibes only. Thank you. You better believe it. Sorry, let's start again. Bringing the thunder to this. I'm sorry, I can't help myself. It's your fault, Dan Reynolds, for having such sudden catchy song titles. Wrecked is what it is. I'll stop now. It's time. Uh, seriously, though, Imagine Dragons know how to hold a festival crowd in the palm of their outrageously anthemic musical hands. We're talking, people, about 2018's most streamed group in the entire world on Spotify. But what I want to know is what gets singer-songwriter Dan Reynolds going in a field. Without further ado, welcome to the lineup, Imagine Dragons' Dan Reynolds. Hello, Dan. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having us. Um, and thanks for doing this. Just as I arrived at the studio, uh, it was a four-minute walk that I embarked upon. And in that four minutes, I got soaked to the skin in a sort of biblical British downpour. But you are in Nevada, aren't you, as we speak? You know, I reside in Nevada and I happen to today be in California. <gasps> um, I'm traveling currently, but Las Vegas is my home. You are correct. And I'm right in saying that it's... It's pretty dry, isn't it? It's beautiful outside. I hate to tell you, I'm right <laughs> by the beach and uh, the sun's out and uh, not a cloud in the sky. <sighs> Why did I yeah. even bring it up? It's my fault. <laughs> um, the festivals in Britain, are off, I tend to think, are a bit different to the ones over in the US. W would you agree Very different. with me in saying that we tend to have, I mean, for a start, more grass, uh, obviously? Uh, you guys Europe. have... You guys have the best festivals in the world. Mm. Let's just come out and say it. I, I don't, we don't need to beat around the bush here. Um, but yeah, the best festivals in the world are absolutely... I mean, I, I don't know if it gets better than Reading and Leeds and Glastonbury. And and uh, I can tell you that on good accord because we've played uh, all around the world in all the festivals. And yeah, that's uh, those are my favorite. So That's a lovely thing to hear, actually. I was, I was going to try and goad you into saying it, but you've said it, so that's all right. Yeah, I, no, no. I, no need. And then I was going to I was going to say something like really uneducated like well you know what festivals have you got in Nevada but you've got bloody burning man for a start haven't you? Mm. So burning man uh you know life is beautiful is a wonderful festival actually that started a few years back uh I want to say 5 years ago or something and we opened it and they've been fantastic. Uh so that's that's a great festival. Yeah. Uh, I've not, actually never been to burning man. Neither have I. I got told that, uh, you know, it's like sort of uh, Chinese whispers over here, but I got told, oh, you know, it's just like really hot, obviously. And, you know, people are, <laughs> people are just kept in cages where they drink alcohol and then they're let out to watch the bands. And I was like, oh, God, that sounds awful. 
But I, maybe I'm getting mixed up with another festival. I'm not sure. No, I, I've heard it's very dusty and hot, uh, which I don't know why. It's just not appealing to me. I mean, I know that it's incredible art and yeah. people rave about it, but it's not my kind of festival, as I, as you'll soon see, because I'm sure as I tell you my lineup, you'll understand that that's that there's a certain kind of festival that is my type okay. of festival. It might not be everybody's cup of yeah. tea, uh, but yeah. Well, okay. Well, let's. We should dive into this because I'm your virtual festival genie today, Dan. So I'm going to make your your perfect day at a festival a reality. Wow. Arc, the perfect arc, you know. So I'm going to need five acts, living or dead, it doesn't matter, that you'd like to see perform in this imaginary festival. Okay. Well, f- first of all, we need to think about a, a title for it. Actually, um, mm. I don't want to go as obvious as like Dan Fest. I mean, it's pathetic, isn't it? Or you know. No. Yeah. Uh, I think we should get much more creative and just call it Imagine. <laughs> That's yes. Imagine fest. Yeah. Ima- Imagine fest. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. about that. Ima- Imagination fest or something like that. Yeah. We'll, okay, we'll let that percolate. We'll come back to it and finish it at the end. Okay. And and yeah. the other question is, where in the world should we stage it? Seeing as though we've got absolutely just the power of imagination here, we can go anywhere. Hmm. Where would it yeah. be a good place to be? It. You know, let's put it in uh, the clouds. It's in heaven. <laughs> it's uh, somewhere in the heavens. That's cool. Okay. Well, actually, you know what? Let's not do that because some of them are are still alive. I was thinking that some of my performers have, have since passed on, so yeah. I thought, okay. Okay, yeah. But you know what? Why don't we put it in Las Vegas? Yeah, okay. The city of sin Yeah. kind of feels like heaven and hell combined. Um, so, yeah, let's, it's, let's do that. It's, it is, isn't it? And if your aircon is fucked in your car, if your aircon's broken in your car, it's definitely hell. Let's be honest. It is. You'll die, probably. You probably would die within <laughs> you, you minutes. You probably would die, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's good. So we're staging it in Las Vegas. I think we'll okay. probably call it the Imagination Festival because I like that. I think that's got a ring to yeah. it. And it is the connection with the band, of course. Um, There's probably a festival called the Imagination Festival. If there isn't, then there, there should be. Well, I mean, what we'll do is, in this imaginary scenario, is we'll just serve them with a cease and desist order and they'll have to go out of business. Exactly. So, sorry, to, yeah. sorry to tell those guys, but that's the way this works. <laughs> Check, one. Yeah. Testing. Is everybody ready yet? We good? We're ready to go. Let the day begin. So we're starting off with the Dawn Chorus. This is the first part of this imaginary festival. Okay, so I'm like a, your roadie in a sense. So I've, yeah. um, I hope you don't mind, but I've, I've sort of I've requisitioned a, a, quite a large RV. Uh, and it's obviously it's fully air conditioned. It's fully stocked with all the mod cons. There's a little swimming pool in the back, and uh, oh, nice. I drove us up the night before. And so here we are now uh, at the site itself. Um, what is the first thing that you want to do, or that you want to see uh, first thing in the morning at this this imaginary festival? Well, I certainly don't want to go in the swimming pool of the <laughs> RV because I don't trust that. Uh, so we'll just straightway, you know, head out as far away from that as we can, uh, we probably would go up, you know, if, if we're being honest and, and we're in Las Vegas, I would go to Red Rock because it's so beautiful there. And most people don't really know that about Las Vegas. Um, so I'd go up to Red Rock to get away from everything, clear my mind, get ready for the big day, yeah. take a hike, maybe, uh, do a bike trail. And, um, yeah, I think that'd be a good start. Yeah. That sounds idyllic. What's Red Rock like? I've never I've been to Nevada, but I've never been to Red Rock. Beautiful. Uh, it's red and there's rocks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, I mean, some of the best 
like biking trails in the entire world, climbing, some of the best climbing in the world. I don't know if you saw uh, the Alex Honnold documentary um, where he climbs this incredible uh, documentary about yeah. this man who cli- he free climbs. Yeah. Uh, it's called Solo. It's not, uh, not the old, I almost not, said Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a free solo, free solo. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he lives in Vegas and uh, he's actually a friend. And oh. that's to give you an idea, like Vegas is actually this incredible place for pe- nature lovers. But most people think of Las Vegas as uh, a place just for gamblers. Yeah. That's just not the case. Yeah. Is that the fella who climbed, is it El Capitan? Yeah, the, the, yeah, El Capitan. That right. was it. That I did watch that, and that's incredible. So I see that that's good, Dan, because that's a nice way, like you say, to sort of um, to reset yourself and get ready for what will eventually yeah. be a spiritual journey. I think. Yeah, you know what? It is going to be. Maybe it should be the spiritual imagination facts. Imagine, imagine spirituality. <laughs> right. Okay. And let me re, let me just re, re-enter that because also I've just been told that, that indeed there is an imagination festival. Uh, oh, which, okay. which is a celebration of Ironbridge Gorge uh, somewhere in Telford in Shropshire. <laughs> so that, that's a, so we, I don't want to put those guys out of business. I feel bad okay. about it. Well, this, the spiritual, the spiritually imaginative, spiritually imaginative. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Spiritually imaginative. Yeah, exactly. What Everybody's you just doing said. ayahuasca. And, oh yeah. yeah. It's going to be great. <laughs> okay. Well, but when are we going to serve the ayahuasca? We're not going to, we're not having it at the dawn, are we? We're going to, are we going to serve it no, to the other end well, of the I, I would say uh, you fast for the beginning of the day, and then in the afternoon, you're going to take a dose. It's, it's going to take a little bit to kick in, and then you just spend the rest of the day okay. purging while you watch your favorite bands. <laughs> so right. you're just vomiting everywhere. Watching <laughs> 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 watching your favorite bands. This, actually, this sounds like a good time. I'm into this. It sounds like what one of the uh, yeah. one of the episodes I had at Reading and Leeds actually in the late nineties. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't too different. It wasn't ayahuasca. Um, okay, and, right, and, right. And, and actually. Stop me if this if this is wrong. We we interviewed um, dance legend Carl Cox recently, and we were, I was asking him, "Do you are you a camper? Do you camp?" And he said, "Well, I was a scout as a boy." Is it true? Mm. Is, weren't you also a scout, Dan? Yeah, I'm an Eagle Scout. An Eagle uh, Scout. Actually, so let's get this right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, my uh, so I did all the Boy Scouts, and then you know you you kind of graduate to to Eagle Scout, and then you have to do a service project, and um, I went to all the scout camps and all that stuff. It really was not by choice, if I'm to be completely honest with you. I have seven brothers, and all of them are Eagle Scouts, and and, uh, six of them are ahead of me, so I was going, you know, I wasn't going to be the first to not be the Eagle Scout in the family. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to camping, it must be quite hard to get the pegs in the ground in Nevada, so we'll we'll stick to the RV, I think. Now, so, so, okay, so it's the dawn, we've got the ayahuasca back at the RV, uh, that's chilling. Mm. We'll have that. We'll we'll decide when to drop that. But what what about the music for the first thing in the morning? What's the first act that we're coming up to? Yeah. So I was thinking about this, and I, I to be honest with you, I had thought about the acts, and then I I didn't realize till right when we started that there has to be the egos of the opener versus the headliner, and how you know that's going to really yeah. irk some of the the you know because these are some big egos. Yeah. Oh, come <laughs> um, so to be honest with you, this is this is really hard for me, but I'm going to have to say that first is the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> so the opener is the Beatles. Uh, so you know, <laughs> I. I it's there's a lot that goes into the to lineups and who gets the yeah. headline and who goes first, you know, and and you know, I think there's a certain authority that comes with death. So so I'm gonna say, uh, you know, Paul's still alive, Ringo's alive, you know, th- there's they still need to pay some dues before they get yeah. the headline. This no, I th- this this spiritual yeah. So 
I think that's fair. And I think that, to be honest, you know, they probably, especially at the, the age they're at now, they'd probably rather go on a bit earlier rather than go on really late. Exactly. You know what? That's why I said it. You're yeah. right. <laughs> I have met both of them, actually. I, hope, I was going to uh, that was the next question, obviously. What was, it, what was it like? Well, Ringo kissed me on the cheek. I'll always remember this. He, he, his greeting was was a, a warm hug with a kiss on the cheek. And that, that moment for me was actually very important. That's maybe one of my most important. I, we were, I had just met Jay-Z and Beyonce. <laughs> And then it was Ringo kissing me on the cheek. And I thought, okay, well, that's, that's all I need. And then, uh, I met Paul and Paul was wonderful and gracious. And we played, uh, they invited us to play, um, there was kind of a, I don't know what it was called, but a lot of bands covered the Beatles and you did it right in front of Paul and yeah. Ringo. And it was really overwhelming and very, it was one, maybe the most horrifying moment of my life was covering revolution by the Beatles in front of the, the Beatles. So yeah. That was- so what would, my, my God. So it's a little bit like one of those, yeah, one of those events where somebody's getting a special recognition award or something and then everybody comes up and sort of pays tribute to them. And mm-hmm. what, did you see them afterwards? Did they say anything about the Verge or did you? Yeah, so yeah, so they they said they really loved it and he sent me a nice note that we have hanging on the wall at the band studio. And I mean, it's it was uh, it was one of my favorite moments. Looking back, I really look at that as one of you know the most important moments in my life i love the beatles the beatles had a huge impact on me so don't let it you know fool you that i'm having them go first to five yeah it, it really is a matter of i don't know why i put them i guess i put them as first five because they're still alive that's that's really well, yeah I, I, and also i think that you know they've got such a repertoire that i think that there are, there are so many songs that that lend themselves to the gentle awakening of the earth. Yes. So, you know, you, you can imagine Paul like yeah. um, playing Fool on the Hill or something like that, uh, and mm. you know, with a flautist. Mm. And it just, it, just as the sun's coming up, it would be really beautiful, you know, loosening the sky with diamonds. They play Imagine. They, they play, play Imagine <laughs> to open the whole festival. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, welcome, welcome to Spiritual Imagine. Imagine no, and people are just like, yes. Yeah. It's like they're still feeling good. Nothing's kicked in. No vomit. Just, you know, it's like good vibes only. And Paul would be yeah. like, well, you know, that is a solo one of John's, but I'll play it anyway. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't mind. You know, he's I don't upset mind. about it. Yeah. yeah. So that's it. So that that would be a fight on stage between John and Paul, which would be hilarious to see. Before they go out, I I will have pulled Paul aside and said yeah. it was part of your contract. You have to play this. <laughs> so There'll be an argument that ensues. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I love that. That's yeah. That's a, such a brilliant start, actually. And uh, just to say, I mean, okay, you've been kissed by Ringo Starr. You've played Revolution in front of the Beatles, and Paul sent you a nice note. Mm. I gave Paul McCartney a glass of water after one of his gig once. And he said, thanks very much. So now that has it. You got me beat there. Yeah. You got me beat. I'm not did so, you touch the water with your finger beforehand <laughs> or did you do anything to implement yourself into Palm Bay or no? I thought about just putting a little molecule of myself in there, but I didn't. <laughs> I should have thought of that. Okay, missed opportunity. Missed, missed opportunity. opportunity. Okay, yeah. So that's good. So you, you've not, you're not messing around here. With this festival, no, no. you started no, the no. Beatles, yeah? It's the best festival in the world. It's, I'm only going to program the best festival. Oh, God, I yeah. can't wait to see what comes next. So, you know, because when I when you think about festivals in the US from from this side of the pond, you know, apart from mm. the big ones, like I've said this before, but like Monterey and Woodstock and things like that, it felt like the, the festival scene didn't come up until a bit later on. I mean, you got Lollapalooza and things. But what, did you go to festivals much when you were younger before you became like famous yourself? The first festival I ever went to, I performed at. Um, that you know, I grew up in a a large family of nine kids and a very conservative Mormon family. So, 
most people think Mormons aren't allowed to dance. That's not true. That's that's a wives' tale. But I will say that we're very conservative. Uh, I'm, I'm since not not an active Mormon, so I can talk about this freely now. But you don't. Well, we didn't. We weren't allowed really to go, you know, to see a festival. Yeah. And we didn't really have the money for it either. So it just worked out that way. Does that sort of form a little cultural pressure cooker, though, sometimes to not be allowed to do things? culturally does that mean that you yeah. want to do them all the more you know i think it caused a reckoning at some point for me in my 20s for sure but it's also almost everything i wrote about that started the band so i don't know that the band would ever you know be what it was and you know i have this i, I actually have this thought that i'm going to share with you which mm. is i think i want to create a new genre of music now hear it out for a second it's, <laughs> it would be called emo and i know people already have emo emotional but it's it actually stands for um, emotional Mormons, emo. <laughs> okay. And there's a lot, there's these bands. This is a thing though, I'm telling you. Let me tell you three bands out of Las Vegas that yep. are all Mormons. The Killers, yep. Panic of the Disco, oh. Imagine Dragons, all fronted by Mormons or raised Mormon, yeah. you know. And I think it makes these angsty, yeah. emotional, angsty, spiritually confounded peep kids who are like, I need to, and you grow, and there's so much music and Mormonism you're singing all the time at church. So I don't know. I just have this theory that there's, you know, why are there three big bands that came out of Vegas that are all Mormons? Yeah. It's just, it's a strange thing. It reminds me of the, of the sort of Mar Marvin Gaye thing, isn't it? You know, the sacred and the profane. It's that kind of thing. They, they, the, the passion of the, uh, of, of gospel music, but then being channeled right. into soul music and funk music. And that, you know what I mean? It's, it reminds me yeah, of that. Yeah. And the angstiness way. of like growing up with a lot of rules and boundaries. I th I'm pretty sure also that Arcade Fire, uh, the singer, uh, what's oh, it? When is it? When is it? When is it? I'm pretty sure he was raised in a Mormon household to some degree. I don't really know yeah. his upbringing, but I know that there's some Mormonism involved. And I think it breeds this kind of, you know, you grow up and you either maybe you're still Mormon or you're not, but then you're like seeing the world differently. And you're angsty and you're emotional or you're, or you're going through a spiritual crisis. And I think it breeds music. Yeah. Uh, it must because there's all, so anyway. Can I ask you actually about, because um, you touched on it and then we moved away. But we must talk a little bit about your Jay-Z and Beyonce moment. Where did that happen? We had just got off stage at the Grammys, performing with Kendrick Lamar uh, and won our first Grammy. And I proceeded to give a hug to Daft Punk, who were in the all white, and I had red chalk on my hand. And I noticed that after I gave a hug, I had left red chalk on my hand. It was from our performance. There was all this red chalk. And I patted him back and he turned around and I was like, <gasps> you know, um, and, and Beyonce and here's Jay-Z and Beyonce and Beyonce was in this beautiful white dress and came up and I, and I quickly said, you know, I, I would love to say hi to you guys, but I just got, I, I don't even think I told her. I was just like, I have chalk on my hand and I had realized it from, from that. So Jay-Z proceeded to say some kind words about our performance and um and it was a, an amazing it was another amazing moment. I love Jay-Z. I grew up on I really grew up on more hip hop than than uh rock. I know what you know people are like Madden Dragons rock cuz we have guitar and stuff, but it's we're I'm really way more influenced by by hip hop and pop 
uh, and singer-songwriters, as you'll see as we go through this, yeah. this lineup. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and that also reminds me of Glastonbury, I think, was it 2009 or 10, when Jay-Z sort of caused massive waves over here in, in Festival Land by headlining Glastonbury. And everybody was like, no, it's like but for guitar music and indie and stuff, and it's going to go uh, down right. like a lead balloon. And, and he absolutely colossally smashed Killed it apart. I'm sure, yeah. It's such a beautiful thing. It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me at all. Who's the next band then? You know, the, the, the sort of best or the best right, moment right. here. Well, I wanted to, so, you know, I had a lineup in my head, but as I thought about it more, I thought, you know, the Beatles are going to open and I feel like I want some contemporary, I, I don't want to do all artists that have, I th- feel like it's cheap move for me to say, okay, well, it's all artists that are older or have passed on. So I, I want to keep it contemporary too, modern too. So I, I'm going to say Kendrick, mm. uh, Kendrick goes on next. So it's, it's the Beatles are first and Kendrick I love Kendrick. I, I think he's one of the best artists of our time, of all time. And uh, I think we're, you know, I'm, I'm glad to to be living in an era where he's putting out fantastic yeah. music that matters. He is just one of the most innovative hip hop artists of all time, without question. Or one of the most innovative artists of all time, isn't he? And you, you say you did you did your paths cross at the Grammys as well? Then did you get to to tell him that? Yeah. Yeah, well, we performed together at the Grammys. So we did a song together at the Grammys. And uh, so I got to spend ample time with him beforehand and and since. And he's a fantastic human being, really, really great human being. And I also want to put him after the Beatles just to make a lot of people angry, too. So I think that's a fun thing to do, to invite them to this festival and then make, you know, you have to drum up some controversy to get headlines. So I can just see all the magazines are like Kendrick headlining over you know, over the Beatles and then everybody's arguing in the comments and it just sounds like it would sell tickets. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so that's so good. Like sell tickets, so, yeah. And thank I, you, thank I, you. I should do this for a living. You should yeah. do it for a living. Well, hang on, we'll come on to, you You actually have staged a festival, haven't you? Uh, uh, you know, but, it's tr- that's true, okay. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. But I, actually, I'm thinking about this a little bit now and thinking, okay, the Beatles came on early and John and Paul had a bit of an altercation. I'm not playing it. I'm not playing Imagine. You are. And that, <laughs> bloody play it. Just play the bloody notes, Paul. All right. So that all happened. Why am I playing this before Kendrick? We've been around forever. Yeah. We're the Beatles. <laughs> George Harrison is, is like, he's hurling his Rosewood Telecaster over a fence. He's like, I'm not having this. But I think Paul would be into it because, of course, Paul collaborated with Kanye, didn't he? As well, so you know he's he's there's right. a bit of crossover possibility there. So it might also yeah, maybe, be that uh, yeah. there might be some jamming going on uh, between these between these acts. You just never know. No, I put it in his contract that he's actually not allowed to join any. Oh yeah, okay. No, <laughs> stick that, to your stick to your own. Stay yeah. in your lane, Paul. That's what we're saying. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. So we've got we've done we've had the Beatles. Um, what do you, what song yeah. incidentally do you think that because obviously. I'm a colossal Beatles fan myself. And and they stopped playing live in 1966, didn't they? And and that was it. They played the one uh, little gig on the roof and that was it uh, in Savile Row, just right, down right. the road from here. I wonder what what song they'd, they'd close a festival set on. Revolution might be a good one, actually. Yeah, I think, you know, I feel like Hey Jude or something. Mm. You know, and it kind of has that like, you know... And I put it in the contract that he had to, too. Okay. So, I mean, it just, it's, yeah, yeah. So, single I on. feel like that's a moment where, yeah, it's like, uh, play the hits. 
Come on, guys, play the hits. And Paul's upset about that, for yeah. sure. Yeah. He only wants to play his new record, his solo record, which I told him that. Yeah, John's, just, just the Beatles. John's not having that. So that's good. So no. the Beatles, Kendrick has smashed it. And then, and then we're moving mm. into the early afternoon now, uh, which is described really as, we describe it as the lull period of a festival mm. sometimes, especially okay. if there's a lot of people there. We're in Nevada, the heat is high. Okay, we might have overexpended ourselves a bit, Dan. You know, it depends on some of the people in our group have different proclivities. They might need to calm mm. down a bit. What What do we do at this point of the festival? I mean, you mentioned earlier on that the first thing, the first festival you went to, you played. Yeah. Do you go to many as what we would describe as a punter over here? Do you go to many just just to hang out? Or is it always I business? I, I have never been to a festival that I didn't perform at. That's my honest answer to that. And I, the truth is, I'm a, I'm an introvert. I don't like being around a lot of people, to be honest with you. And so when you're on, when you play a festival, you kind of just get, you know, I get to go to the green room, I walk on a stage, and then I leave, I get in the car. I just, yeah, I'm not a. I'm not your typical festival goer, but I would go to this festival because the lineup is so damn good. Well, I'd be like, okay, you know, put me on the side of stage. Uh, nobody can look at me. I don't want anybody to look at me. And uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. like that. I must admit, I'm I'm an introverted extrovert, or the other way around. I can't remember right. which which way it is. But you, mm. who? Okay, in this in this this ideal scenario, who who's with you? Uh, who's actually who's in who's in your squad? Are you taking? You got four children. Right. Are, we, are we doing they're this with? Here. I was going to say, we're no. doing it with or without <laughs> the kids. We, we're leaving those guys at home. Yes, no, they're staying home. Uh, my wife will be next to me because she loves music and she loves all these acts. So she would enjoy it. I think my whole family, I would bring all my family. So I have seven brothers and one sister. We're all very close. I bring my mom and dad and I'd probably leave out like one brother just to make him really upset. And I, I would choose that based on whoever was the worst to me yeah. leading up to the festival. Yeah. Just to get everything my way and yeah. everything, you know, use as much power as I can. <laughs> But the bloody Beatles were collaborating with Kendrick and you didn't even call me. I can just imagine it no, now. No, they weren't allowed to collaborate they with They weren't, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, the, it's, in the, it's in the contract. Read the contract. So, this is not a collaborative festival. Not a collaborative festival. Um, so that's good. So Seven Brothers, though. What was it? And, and where were you in the pecking order here, Dan? Were you one of the younger ones? Two, yeah, I have two underneath me and I have... Uh, let me do the math. Sorry, I have one brother underneath me. I have, two, I have two siblings. I have a younger sister and a younger brother. So I have six brothers ahead of me. Uh, and now one of my brothers, my older brother is my manager, and my other older brother is my lawyer. Oh, wow. So keep so it, in the, boss. Keep it yeah. in the family, so the man. Boss, yeah. Does that inform some cod psychiatry here? Does that inform your career choice to some degree, uh, as well as the Mormonism, as we discussed, but the fact that you've got so many alphas ahead of you does that make you want to sort of prove yourself and get out there and be heard you know i actually think it's been helpful in keeping me driven if i'm to be honest and, and serious for one minute i really do think it has because you kind of have an older brother who's you're never good enough for your older brother right yeah. as a younger brother you never are, are achieving enough so it's kind of like right you know, you, 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 you wrote an EP, but you haven't done an album and yeah, you, you okay. You had a single and it did this, but it didn't do that. Oh, you've done this, but you haven't done that. Well, you have gone to Grammy, but have you played Wembley? <laughs> you know, it's like, you, you never can achieve. There is no, you're never, you're always the younger brother, yeah. you know? And since my manager and my lawyer are my brothers, then that certainly is the case. <laughs> There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. 
The Seven from The Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. How are you doing out there? Are you ready for the next act of the day? People, make some noise! We're at the Imagination Festival, which that, I'm saying that for short yeah. because it's a longer title. Oh, okay. So the ayahuasca is coming out. Whoever's indulging in that right. is is getting involved right now. So they'll be vomiting soon, but not yet. What what yeah. mu- what music are we hitting people with at this afternoon point? Right. So certainly now it's Alanis Morissette, Ooh. and she she can only play Jagged Little Pill. Um, <laughs> so it's front to back, Jagged Little Pill. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and, you know, halfway through that said, some people might start to vomit, but it's, <laughs> it's, but it's a spiritual awakening and it's to jagged little pill. And it's like, they're just feeling like bringing back all these high school memories yeah. and like love and heartbreak and, and vomit and, you know, and it's just. It's just great. Tell me about Jagged Little Pill. I know a bit about this, like 1996-ish it came out because we were all bang into it as well when it came out. I want you to know, you know, the sort of, the, the angsty power of it. Why is it so important to you, that record? You know, I just think of, I, I'm a child of the 90s. I was born in 87. 90s music was everything to me. And I loved women of the 90s. I loved alternative women of the 90s. That's basically all I listened to. Um, so really my my rock influence is there's no classic rock involved. I I don't listen to classic rock. Um, the only men that I listened to in rock were Nirvana and a little bit of Pearl Jam. Yeah. So a little bit of grunge. Other than that, it was women of the nineties. It was, was like all these badass women of the nineties. All I listened to, all I had access to. So first of all, I did not have cable TV, um, ever. So we never watched television growing up. And again, there's a Mormon home. So you have to know it's a particular, peculiar kind of upbringing. All I had access to really was 94.1, which was the local alternative station in Las Vegas. And I would sit next to it with my, uh, a a tape, a tape player and I would hit record and make mixtapes of my favorite songs that played on the radio. So I, there just wasn't a lot of British um, no. women that, that played on on that station that I can think of. And that was that was all. I, I didn't buy CDs. We didn't. I didn't have money to buy CDs. And I, and yeah, so I just made mixtapes, and that's what I listened to. You're a radio kid. So so what was it like when yeah. you what was it like when you first heard Imagine Dragons on the radio? The first place I heard it was Mix 94.1, the station I grew up listening to in Las Vegas. And I cried. I did. I, I cried because it was um, it was a real moment for me. You know, it's like that's the station I grew up listening to. And it turns out the DJ who was the DJ then, Mercedes, is still the DJ today. Oh, and, yeah. And she's she's I swear she's like a vampire. She's never aged. And she's she sounds the same. She looks the same. And every time I meet her, it's like more important. It's like the most important celebrity. You could be inter- anybody could be in the room. And I'm like, wait, Mercedes is in the room. Oh. Like this is Mercedes. Like it was, you know, that was my upbringing. That's so, amazing. Yeah. And so you got to you got to hear yourselves for the first time on that. That's just such a lovely thing. Yeah. 
So that, that you, we're painting a, a lovely picture here now, actually, apart from the vomiting, but that's fine because that's stopped now. And people are the people that have taken the ayahuasca are uh, elevated. I, absolutely, yeah. it's like it's the full Huxley. You know, their third eye right, has been right. completely shined, and they are right, out in right. the cosmos. So this is this yeah. is getting to the really good bit. But do you get hangry? at festivals we've not talked about uh, food yeah. you are talking about fasting earlier we've talked about vomiting right, right, right. now we've got to talk about food you've got to fill the hole here what are we going to do I'm a very I'm a very very like anytime I'm slightly angry my wife knows I'm hungry so uh, I I am absolutely identified with that and and I always try to keep food in my belly because it really makes me a terrible human being otherwise <laughs> so that being said, because if we're being true to the ayahuasca, then it should just be fruit. It should mm. just be like some fruit. This sound, I mean, it sounds boring, but it's like a hamburger is not what you want when it's like you're seeing snakes and you, you like the last thing you want is like a bunch of hamburgers and are like hamburger, hamburger, <laughs> hamburger. Like, Ronald McDonald. Like you just want like some watermelon maybe, you know, yeah. like something that, that is faceless. I can't believe know? I haven't actually asked you this, but I'm 50 next year, uh, you know, and I'm hoping that many of these experiences lie, lie ahead of me that I haven't yet done. I've not, I've not taken ayahuasca or any of these sort of South American hallucinogens. But I'm, I, ha, mm. I'm taking. Have you tried this this journey? Well, I will say I'm say, I'm saying all of this in jest. But the last thing I want to be is like the American guy who is like everybody should do ayahuasca. That being said, I have done it and it was life changing for me. So mm. I have a lot of reverence for it uh, and. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, it changed my life. Yeah. It absolutely changed my life. So I, I think in talking about anything that's going to be life changing, like a spiritual festival, I guess it kind of has to involve ayahuasca. If I'm to be honest with you, uh, plus it makes it sound like it's going to be, you know, I'll, I'll walk away from this festival changed for the better. And I am because of ayahuasca. That's so incredible. It, I would say, this is what I would say to you and anybody else who's thinking about it. Don't do it in any Americanized modern way. Do it, you know, seek if you're, if you really feel like you need, you're in a spiritual like stoppage, like you are in stagnant water in life, then I would seek out someone who's real, who, who, who comes from the source, who a shaman who's properly trained and take it very seriously. Uh, and don't go to some resort yeah. where there's like, uh, like, I, like real reverence for it. It yeah. was life changing for me. That being said, let's talk about this ayahuasca festival. So yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> no, no we'll go ahead. if you have any other questions, I'll answer for you. But it was like, it's one of those things where it's like, I also don't want to sway anybody to do it. No, I it, completely it get that. Incredibly difficult. It was the most difficult thing of, of my entire life. Everybody it, it was the most difficult. Yeah. Well, everybody that I've spoken to that has done it has said virtually the same thing. And, and so mm. it's a journey that it's like you say, it's a very difficult journey. It's not like having a few beers and then ju you're just getting a little buzz. It's a completely transformative experience and you yeah, have to be ready for that. there's nothing about it that's like, there's nothing about it that's like, uh, I'm seeking a good time. Yeah. I'm seeking a high or drugs. Like I'm a, I'm actually very anti-drug, like straight edge dude, but ayahuasca is, is not that yeah. in any way. It's like me medicine. It's like a very serious, like transformative yeah, it, it altered my, my life. Yeah, sure. that, I mean, wow. And now then, though, okay, so and that is, we'll compartmentalize that because that is a, a, a serious journey on which people will go. But let's say that you are at this festival, you are hungry, you you have actually not had the ayahuasca. What oh, okay, are you, okay. what are you, you're not having fruit because you, you're going to no. get hungry. What's it going to be? 
Well, if I'm at it's a important. festival and I'm just looking, yeah, I'm looking to just be dirty and like eat yeah, dirty, good food. Like I'm looking for just like chips with, or like French uh, chips, as you call them, or yeah. French fries, as I call them with gravy and like, Ooh. you know, and like, um, grilled cheese sandwich, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a piece of pizza, mm-hmm. uh, maybe like a, some candy or something, you know what I mean? Just like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not looking for anything. I don't want the tacos with the Wagyu. Like I don't want the, <laughs> I don't want the little like toothpick thing. Yeah. Like, I, I want like, a, you know, I want a piece of pizza. And I want like, a, yeah, you want some, you want some carbs, yeah. you want some filth. And that's yeah, what, I just want dirty carbs and grease. That's yeah. what we're going to get. And now we move on to the sunset moment, okay? This is, again, yes. some people are really lit up by this time for whatever reason. Um, moody light, right. the sun the sun sinks below. Hang, hang on, we're in Nevada, though. So you'd have to describe okay. the vista here in this particular part of Nevada. Beautiful uh, sunsets. Beautiful sunsets. I don't know if it's the smog or what it is, but the sunset is beautiful there. Um, and the mountain range is amazing. Yeah. And so you're seeing the sun go down. Yeah. And you don't know that it's smog that's causing it to be purple and orange, but it is. But you don't care about that because it doesn't matter. And out come the glow sticks and the lovers wrap their arms around each other. Uh, what? Right, right. Who's who? Who's going to play after Alanis has done Jagged Little and Pill? And then out walks Paul Simon. <gasps> He's only allowed to play Graceland. Nothing else. It's part of the contract. Graceland, and he has to play it two times from front to back. And he has... I mean, he has all the the instrumentalists with him. Yeah. He has, you know, all the incredible instrumentalists that went into making that record. It's the real band. And, um, you know, he comes out and he comes out to Graceland, actually. Mississippi Delta. Like, it's just, you know, the sun's going down, the smog and the ayahuasca's faded and now it's in the good place. And you're just like, (laughs) oh. Or maybe he comes out the da, 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 Yeah, da, yeah, okay. Da, 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 Straight you know. in, no pissing yeah, about. Yeah. I mean, I, I had the great, great honour and pleasure of seeing Paul Simon in New Jersey. Uh, uh, you know, he did a sort of These oh. Are My Last Shows gigs in 2018, and we went oh, and yeah. saw him perform there, and it was just such a... Again, like um, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a elapsed Catholic. You know, I don't necessarily have a God in my life, but it was a, a, a spiritual experience. That's what you're getting with Paul's writing, isn't it? You know what makes me so sad is you say that, and my whole family, who that that record is, you know, and not just that record, everything Paul Simon ever did was amazing for my whole family. They all went and saw him without me while I was on tour overseas with that for that tour, that tour, and they said the same thing. It was like all of them were like weeping at it. It was just like everything they could want it to be. And here I was like playing, it was like the beginning of the band or something. And we were playing like tiny little places overseas. And I was just so jealous. And my, like I said, my family never went to concerts ever. And they went, all of them went to that. Yeah. It's no wonder you want to leave some of them behind for this best festival ever. Is uh, it? You're to- right. That's why I told you a couple of them. When, this is what I mean now. When Paul Simon comes on, I actually say to them, this isn't true, but I say to them, he's not, sorry, you're not allowed to be on the stage for him. He, this is one request is you all can't be on the stage. I can. All of you have to go. And he actually, there's only one spot and it's by the porta potties. <laughs> 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 yes. By the toilets. It's 
all the way to the back to the side of the stage. You can't actually see the stage because it's like, you know, it's parallel with the front of the stage. But it's by the toilets. And that's where you will watch him while I'm on stage. <laughs> He's just such a phenomenal. I mean, I just love watching him. There's lots of clips of him on YouTube on various um, talk shows and things where he just... He's just with his guitar and he's just casually playing through, you know, some of the greatest songs of all time that he happens to have written, like 50 Ways yeah. to Leave Your Lover. And it's like, what the mm. f is that chord even? I mean, he's just one of the great musical minds of all time, isn't he? And the way, and especially as a lyricist, what he does, nobody, nobody does the way that he does. It's kind of like this almost talking, but it's melodic. It's incredibly melodic and it's, you know, Roly poly little anybody who can say roly poly little bat face girl yeah. in a song and make it sound poetic and catchy. Like I think of that all when I hear that line, he's like, uh, that took that guy the alley with that roly poly little bat face girl. It's the beer belly beer. Like, is it it's an accident? It's kind of this like thing that it's he like does. a rap, Nobody, isn't it? Yeah, it is like rapping really it is, almost. Yeah. It's it's only Paul that does that. And man, I love it. Yeah. I just love it. Yeah. So that's great. So Paul is just finishing. He's knackered because he's nearly 80 now and you've made him do Graceland twice. So he's twice, he's, no, he's, he's very, you know, he's he's drenched as well because he's very hot up there. James Brown style, somebody's like walked him off stage. Uh, the sun's right. down and here we go, Dan. This is it. This, this is the right, finale, right. okay. A single spotlight. Oh, okay. spotlight. Boom, right in the middle of the stage. And it's empty, nobody's there. And then slowly rising up from the ground. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking it's Michael Jackson. It's not Michael Jackson. Rising up from the ground is Harry Nelson. So it's Harry Nelson, and he plays Nelson Schmilson, the best record of all time. And he also, behind him, while he's performing, is The Point, which is a movie he did with Ringo Starr, and it's playing on a huge projector behind him. And he did that actually with Ringo Starr, yeah. so it works out because Ringo's there. He plays all of Nelson Schmilson. He plays some other ones that I decided, I handpicked. Yeah, of course. Basically the whole set. And uh, and it's Harry Nelson. He's my greatest influence. I, I draw more from him than anybody. And, you know, it, even the Beatles said that Harry was the best. So they're okay with him headlining. Everybody else are upset about Harry. They understand. Well, that's the, you're right because it was let's uh, it was the Lennon lost weekend years in, in mostly in Los Angeles, wasn't it? And it was him, and it, it was Harry, and it was Nielsen. I mean Harry Nielsen. And it was Keith yep. Moon, and it was Ringo, and it was John, and they, they all hung out and drank Brandy Alexanders, didn't they? So I guess that they might be doing a bit of that. Maybe even during yep. the set, they might be doing that. Oh, for sure. But Harry was. A heavy drinker, especially in his later years. I, I I don't know this, but I I would guess that that led to his early death, mm. which is I can't even watch the documentary about him without sobbing through the whole thing. It was such a big part of my childhood. My dad raised me on Harry Nelson, okay. so Harry Nelson was everything, every every influence you know on every song I do, uh, all our strengths and weaknesses as a band. I blame on Harry, or I attest to Harry. He was so versatile. He tried everything. He did everything from you know, like Lime in the Coconut, which is such a weird, strange <laughs> song that that is so strange and cool. Uh, but he also could do like, he could do anything. He could do anything. Many, many Rivers to Cross, his version of that song just like kills me. And you can hear his voice going because uh, he was the alcohol and, and his voice was just hashed at that point. But he just, 
went for it. And I, I listen to that song. It just moves me deeper than anything else. He does it. And there's one person that comes out and performs with him a little bit. And that's Cat Stevens. So Cat Stevens comes out, does a couple songs with him, does a little peace train, take us home, you know, and Harry sings it with him. Uh, wow. He also does father and son, you know, just some select songs with Cat Stevens. And that's, that's, that's God, that's song. powerful actually. And so that was your dad, was it? Who, who introduced you to Harry? Is that yep. the, when you're watching him, will that, take you to pieces emotionally then bringing you back to childhood and childhood memories yeah. and things so my daughter is named arrow after me and my arrow from harry nelson and so she comes up and gets to watch that from the side i sang that to her you know every night when she goes to sleep you know growing up i would sing her that song and then my dad definitely gets to side yeah. side stage oh. and gets to sit but the rest of my brothers still i just leave them by the port <laughs> by the toilet this isn't their moment <laughs> yeah. totally moment, yeah. yeah you're 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 right over there it's funny you mentioned cat stevens one of my mum's favorite artists of all time and i was driving i live a very pedestrian life in northwest london right and i was dropping my kids off somewhere and i stopped uh, a pelican crossing and uh, yusuf islam walked across cat stevens because wow. he he lives he like, lives a few streets away from me and i, I and you recognized him or? yeah and i said that's wow. that's cat that's cat stevens man that's that's yusuf islam and he even sat next to us on a trestle table in the park dan once and I was trying to, I was being that. Did you that, say anything to him? Or? I didn't. I was being that, that asshole, oh, that a-hole. I mean, good for you, I guess, but I don't know. I mean, it's kind of, you know, I, I don't know that I would have either, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't know that I would have because, especially with him, because you just don't know if that's like, you know, and what do you call him? I don't know, you know. Yeah. Like, and he, he stepped away from, know. he stepped away from all that, didn't he? A long time ago, sort of really left right. all that behind. Right, so kind for, of like, does he want to be away from it? Yeah. Right you did the right thing. I think you probably did the right thing. But next time I see him, Dan, I'm going to pop over. I'm going to say, listen, Dan Reynolds, massive fan. And he'll be like, oh, he'll be well chuffed with that. So that's... He'll be like, you know, uh, I would never play his vessel. But, you know, good luck to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And just finally, so this is the real, the culmination, this is the climax. What song would you, forgive me for asking, I mean, you've talked a lot uh, publicly about, you know, yourself and, and your wife and your relationship and, you know, you had difficulties and you came back together in a beautiful way. Is there a song that at the end of a festival that, that you two sort of watching together that, that encapsulates, you know, your spirit yes, together? For sure. He, I think he finishes off it's the wee hours of the morning, mind you, at this point. Yeah, he plays, true. you know, through the night. And he finishes off with early, early in the morning. Early in the morning, I can't do right. Had a little fight with my baby last night and it's early in the morning. Don't you know it's early in the morning? Early in the morning. Early in the morning. I ain't got nothing but I ain't got nothing but the blues. And it's just, yeah, I think he just sings out for a good, you know, 10 minutes. He just loops it. Sweet and that's, Lord. That's kind of, yeah. What a lovely way to finish a perfect festival that is, isn't it? You know, and then we see it, it, out of our peripheral vision, Harry, Ringo, John having a little drink. Paul's a bit left out because he's not really in the clan. <laughs> you know, he's a bit like, oh, you know, uh, Kendrick, maybe we could do a, could we do a collab? And Kendrick's like, I'm sorry, mate, we can't because Dan said it, he stipulated that we can't do that. So that's And a he shame. looks over at me on the side and he winks and smiles. He's like, <laughs> 
Yeah. There'll be no collaborations <laughs> with Paul McCartney here. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, what a festival. The Beatles, Kendrick Lamar, Alanis Morissette, Paul Simon does Graceland twice, and then Harry mm-hmm. Nielsen does like a four-hour set. Um, with Cat Stevens. With Cat Stevens out, just popping in and out, just doing a few tracks. It's yeah. it's just, re- what a lovely experience it has been to uh, to make a festival with you, Dan, Dan Reynolds of Imagine Dragons. It's been, it's been wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, how does it compare to, to Love Load? Because you actually do, you have done festivals yourself, haven't you? For, you know, for certain yeah. charities you do this. What's it like to do a real one? Yeah, you know, uh, Love Loud has a better lineup than this, obviously, every year. <laughs> so come out, come out. We're going to do it next year. But yeah, it's it's for uh, it's for our LGBTQ youth. We raise a bunch of money and give it to all these charities that do life-saving work for them. We do it in Utah, which is the last place that you would ever think would be a, a gay rights festival. So it's it's pretty rad. This will be our third year doing it uh, next year. And uh, details come soon on, on that lineup. Absolutely superb. And, um... But rumor, rumor has it. The lineup we talked about today might be the lineup for Love Lab next year. Rumor. This is a rumor. We don't know for sure, but it's possible that it's, you know, Think about the it. Beatles and Harry Nelson. Check Lotal Press for details, I always say. Yes. Uh, yes. So there we go. We, we we closed the Spiritually Imaginative Festival just with the greatest of, of good vibes. And we thank, you know, the curator extraordinaire of Imagine Dragons, Dan Reynolds. Thank you for doing the lineup for us today. And I hope, as I say to everybody now, to see you in some sweaty festival field at some point in the future. Me too, and uh, what a pleasure. And it always is a pleasure. All the wonderful people who have come out and seen us throughout the years have been fantastic, especially overseas. Uh, Those are my favorite festivals. So we'll see you again soon, and thank you. Oh, that's really great, Dan. Thank you. I mean, I know that there's more sort of information to put in about the record and stuff like that, but we'll we'll do all that in post, as they say, uh, in the film industry. But thank you so much for, for doing it. That was really a pleasure. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure, and thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Imagine Dragon's fifth studio album, Mercury Act One, is out now, produced by Rick Rubin. Bloody hell, Rick Rubin? Why did I ask Dan more about that? Why wasn't Rick at the spiritually imaginative fest instead of another one of Dan's siblings? The album title takes inspiration from the word mercurial, meaning lively or changeable, and Dan's taken to social media, as is his wont, to say how he hopes this music brings fans a sense of joy and refuge, as it has for him, and that he'll see us on tour. You're welcome. Thank you.